Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. That's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hello and welcome to your favorite hour of the week. This is the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney here with the player, Sean Barber, the blog father, Joel Thorman, and boys, the draft is over. How are we feeling? I guess okay. No first round pick, man. How can you be that excited about your draft if you don't have a first round pick? I feel like that's a direct C right off the bat. Dang. We'll get oh. we'll get to grades in a second, but Sean, when you looked at this draft, how did you feel? Uh, I mean, I feel overall like the draft was a hit. I think it was one of the most watched drafts. I think the fact it was done in Dallas Stadium, the first time in the stadium, I think it's something that the NFL as a whole, uh, they, they definitely struck gold. Um, it, it's going to be a situation, I think it's going to be very hard to beat that venue year after year to try to uh, click it up to the next scale when it comes to next year's draft. And Kansas City has a shot in the next couple of years here. You don't think Kansas City could match? I figured you of all people. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. It would be cool to have that in, to have it like in Arrowhead or something. I guess where would they have it? They I think you'd have, have to have it at the Power and Light District or Union Station. Union Station, I think you'd have, assuming there's decent weather, you'd have some big setup down there. I think that'd be the move. Hmm. How do you get like it's a part of the whole thing is inviting fans and having them? Yeah, you do it at Union work. Station and have like a huge outdoor thing. I think that's the way to do it. It's a festival of football, Sean. Have y'all heard about them doing something with the Kemper? Like it's being remodeled and da 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 da. No draft in in going to no Kemper. When they remodel it, I heard it's going to be like a like a like an alien spaceship of shops and like I heard it's going to be the newest brand, this newest kind of sports facility, uh, like out of this world. So yeah, yeah, here's what I think about Kemper and the, and the draft. Kemper Schmemper. <laughs> Coming up swinging. Schmimper. <laughs> Let's get to draft grades for the Chiefs. NFL.com gave the Chiefs draft class six new players a B. Sports Illustrated, B minus. SB Nation, the flagship, D plus. D for that damn dynamic. True. It's all about how you, uh, term, the terminology. I mean, we got we to gotta define terminology right now. D is for dynamic. B is for uh, beautiful. Man, I can't wait till your kids bring home like you know, a, awesome. a D from school and be like, it's a dynamic score, Papa. <laughs> <laughs> Washington Post gave the Chiefs draft a C minus. Yahoo Sports, D minus. Our own Ken Swanson gave it a C minus. And he said there aren't a ton of home run swings in this class. Breland Speaks is probably the closest to that mold with the athletic upside. 
The Chiefs appear to be building around solid players across the board. All these players have clear paths to roles on the defense, and several players have a chance to contribute early. Again, five defenders in this class, with the one offensive player being a guard who played all defense in college, so pretty much an all-defensive draft when you really come down to like the nitty-gritty of it for the Chiefs. And I don't mind that at all. Like I think I like going in, I bet most Chiefs fans would have voted yes. Please go all defense on the draft. Um, you know, we have uh uh like I think out of the six players, you know, obviously like your high pick is always like gotta work out. Like you need Breland, the pass rusher, to absolutely work out. But like Pete said, like there are roles for everybody for the fourth round safety. Like I get where, what his role is going to be. You know what I mean? Like I, I get what they're hoping for Tremont Smith, um, the corner. So, uh, you know, there are, there are paths to the field for everybody going through the, the picks real quick, uh, round two pick linebacker, Breland speaks, uh, round three, you had defensive tackle, Derek Nadi and Dorian O'Daniel, the final pick of the third round in the fourth round, Armani Watts, SB nation high on him. And then in the sixth round, you had Traymond Smith, cornerback, and again, the guard, Khalil McKenzie, son of Reggie uh, McKenzie. Sean, if you're grading the draft, I'm going to assume you're an A, but I'm not, I, I not going to confirm that. What did you think of this draft class? I'm doing hearts with my hand because I love it. So I'm doing the heart signal, and then I'm doing the A signal. Uh, this is not Jay-Z. This is not the rock. This is the A signal for Avengers that just came out. Um, yeah, the Infinity Stones. I think we got it all set. I think the defense is uh, what was the biggest need. I think we uh, we drafted not only for need but for the future. Um, it's it's hard for me to look at any of these grades from Yahoo or Sports Illustrated because I, 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 honestly, when you're looking at a team, if you're not there at practice and you don't see the guys' practice habits, you don't see uh, some of the glaring holes, and you only watch game film and you are trying to replace certain players that are lost during free agency are just being cut and released. And then you have a draft board of 400 different athletes. And you're trying to see how these guys from college are going to, um, are, are going to um, grow and, and fit into certain schemes that you don't even, we don't even know if we're going to actually run the exact same scheme as last year, but we're going to, you know, grade um, the holes of the cheap. The only people to know is Andy Reed, um, um, the defensive staff, and the general manager. And even they don't know because they, they miss half the picks every year. <laughs> so what, what, what I'm saying is I think they pick the, the, with the, with the, with the guys they have a chance to get. They pick the guys that they think will fill those roles uh, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the best of their ability. And I guess what, like, one thing I'd say about like, Veach is uh, man, he, when, when, he, when he knows who his guy is, he goes up and gets them. Yeah. You know, they, they, he moved up for a couple of players, including Speaks, early on there. Um, and just like the way he talks to, he seems like a really decisive person. Uh, so I don't know if that makes me feel good or bad um, about the, the second round pick, but like, I like how aggressive he was and identifying like what he wanted. He went up and got it. I think part of the reason for the reaction to this draft is just how exciting last year's draft was, where for the first time in two decades, the Chiefs are getting a quarterback they feel really good about. It just didn't have the same feel because these players, and I graded it if you want to go by uh, the type of thing you were saying, Sean, I graded a B for boring. But you know what? I think it's what the Chiefs maybe needed. They needed maybe a boring draft to fill those holes on this defense, and they were looking for a certain type of mindset. Brett Veach said it a number of times, and to your point, Joel, Brett Veach has come out here after every pick and told you exactly why. A little bit different than Dorsey, because I feel like Dorsey was a little closer to the vest. Brett Veach is like, here's what we think. Here's what we think he'll do this year. 
Here's what we think might happen. You know, even with Khalil McKenzie, he's like, this may take a while. Yeah, I thought uh, Veach had, like, talking about McKenzie, um, you know, he, he was comparing it to LDT um, when they drafted LDT, like, a few years ago and said how, you know, how ugly it looked uh, the first few practices LDT was in and how it, you know, slowly got better. Like, that's pretty honest because I do remember, like, LDT's first year was very, very bad. Uh, but they have that track record now of, like, doing that with those with those uh, later round guards. So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I can be a believer in, in uh, McKenzie making it. What Veach is doing, he's setting the table. He's setting the table and saying, hey, if you want to sit at the table and your media and your um, guys that want to take shots at the Chiefs, I'm going to invite you to the table and I'm going to explain to you exactly why we way beyond uh, more than I have to. And I'm going to ask that you stick with me. Don't trash our guys. Don't tear them down. You know, this, this whole social media type thing, man, you can have guys play up to their expectations, but the entire community he needs to wrap around that idea. If we start breaking down players and making them feel bad and tearing apart on social media, then they're, they're going to go into a hole. They're going to put their head in a ditch, and you're not going to get a guy to perform. But if the community wraps their arms around this draft class, our defense can go from being 23rd or whatever it was to being a top-five defense overnight. Here's what we're going to do on this podcast. We're going to go pick by pick, kind of evaluate what the Chiefs were thinking. We have quotes from Brett Veach on each and every player, and then we're going to finish up by reading some of the tweets from Arrowhead Pride Nation. So we'll start with Mississippi linebacker Breland Speaks, a Chiefs trade-up from 54 to 46. To select Speaks, Speaks finished strong in his final year at Oxford, sacking the quarterback six times in the team's final six games. From the defensive end position, Andy Reid was quoted after the pick and saying he appreciated how hard this kid worked on tape. Reid and Veach watched every single game per Reid on this play before they picked him. And here were Veach's comments directly on Breland Speaks, the first pick of the 2018 NFL Draft for the Chiefs. I do. I do just because, um, you know, the, the way he plays, um, I, I think when we talk about a guy that can line up on the outside and then kick in on the inside, he's done that. Okay, he, he did that in college. If you watch his tape um, on, on a lot of this four-down stuff, he, he aligned both outside and they kicked him in on the inside. With Tano, it was a small school player, number one, and he was pretty much, um, you know, a defensive end for, for Villanova and just kind of dominate that level of play, and, and he wasn't asked to do a bunch of different things. Whereas Breland, um, in regards to what we're asking him to do, He's already done it, number one. Number two, he's already done it versus a higher level of competition. So we feel like the, the change in the adjustments should happen, um, obviously, more quickly for him. Apologize. I could have set that up a little bit better. Veach talking right there about why Speaks is more ready than last year's second-round pick to know Passigno. And it seems like Speaks has maybe gone ahead yeah. of Passigno in at least Brett Veach's mind yeah. right now. Just listening to, uh, to him talk after the draft, there was another reference he had uh, where it certainly seemed like Speaks had like jumped a front, jumped uh, ahead of Tano. Um, and, you know, it's uh, you're coming from the SEC versus, uh, no offense, Sean, but the Rova from Villanova. I mean, it's just a different level of play. Like, you probably feel more sure about Breland. Um, because you've seen him play against the higher competition, whereas to know you're still like projecting. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider, um, you know, like I'll take all the pass rushers that I can. But like I wouldn't consider this pick good news for to know. One thing that I I noticed, and and Beach again, he's been pretty candid about what the Chiefs were trying to do in this draft, and and you know he learned from John Dorsey, who was very big on best player available. But one thing he said he really wanted was a player who could affect the passer, and we've seen Justin Houston. 
over the past few years kind of get curbed a little bit. There's been no real threat on the other side with D Ford Hurt. Zombo wasn't going to be doing anything. So here they have Breeland Speaks, a guy who they think could be a three-down starter right away, which is, I mean, pretty good for the second round. And I think that's why they moved up eight picks. You don't even need him. I mean, you need him this first year. But, like, I'm assuming that when healthy, it's going to be Justin Houston. It's going to be D Ford. So there's not going to be, like, a ton of pressure on him to be, like, the guy right away. Maybe he can be, like, a situational guy for a little bit. And, I mean, you have D Ford for contract year. This is pretty much D Ford's last year as a chief, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I just think Brandon Speaks needs to come and be the best version of himself he can be um, when on and off the field. He just needs to come and be a professional. Just come be a pro. Um, soak up as much from um, the Rover and his D-line coach and, and Houston. Um, even talk to D4. Find out what those guys are doing. What are some of the obstacles that kept them from being great? And, and, and add that to his repertoire. Um, the guy, he can penetrate the pocket. And that's something that he does probably greater than maybe anybody else in this draft class except for Chubb. He was a guy who did, he, he creates instant penetration on that pocket. And as a quarterback, if you know that that type of athlete is across the, across the ball, when the ball is snapping and you hit your, your plant foot, you have to kind of figure out where he is. You can't just assume you'll be able to step up in the pocket because he'll smash you in the face. You can't assume that you can stay at the back of the pocket because he can also beat you around the edge. So I think his, his versatility between power and speed, the transition, tr- the transition from his power rush to a speed rush is uh, he was a home run hit in this draft when you talk about pass rush. And if they're, if the Chiefs pass rushers are playing well, like they can put some pressure on on the tackles there with Houston's just like a big ass dude and so strong will walk a 300 pound tackle back. And then D Ford, when he's on, you know, has that uh, great first step um, and is such like a speed guy. So when they're on, like on paper, the, the pass rush should be good. And Speaks wants to win. I mean, you laugh about it, but there's that clip of him in college when he gets recovers the fumble, he looks at the other opposing coach and he's waving at him into the camera. Uh, obviously a guy who I think he got thrown out of that game. Obviously a guy who's passionate on the football field. Andy Reid and Brett Veach said they vetted him. They, you know, they think he's kind of matured a little bit in that sense. But uh, yeah. Chiefs trading up from 86 overall to 75th to select Nadi. Six foot one, 312 pounds. Not the largest nose tackle in front of scouts during the 17th season, but few will outwork him. His name, third team, all ACC selection, compiling 56 tackles, 10 for loss, and three and a half sacks in 13 starts. Here was Veach on Derek Nottie and his quick transition, why he is confident that Nottie will be able to transition quickly as well to the NFL. Derek Nottie is the guy that, from the first time he stepped on the field at Florida State, he played. So there was, I think he's played, started 38 or 39 games or 38 or 39 games. So that guy went from high school right to Florida State and got on the field and played. So, you know, obviously this guy will be able to come right in and, and be able to play for us and help us out. What was your reaction to Nadi? Uh, simple. Grown man strength. Um, yeah, any, like any, any kid that can leave a high school field and go to the ACC and play um, the amount of snaps and in the situations. I mean, you played goal line packs, you played short yardage. I mean, he's going against some fourth, fifth-year seniors on the offensive line, and he's not only holding his own, he's depositing them in the backfield. He does it consistently over and over, um, overpowering centers and guards, getting penetration. But, I mean, he, that's what he does. And so when you watch film of him and you see him doing that over and over and over again, then you have visualized that being part of your defense. So um, if you're asking him to shed and go make tackles or if you're asking him to two-gap or uh, be able to redirect, that's not his game. He's a straight man-to-man, one-on-one. I'm going to put my helmet down the center of your helmet and deposit you in the backfield. 
to create serious gaps in your offense. And we've seen the Chiefs struggle with running backs the past couple of years. This seems like a guy who was pretty much hired to take care of that. And like Le'Veon Bell, you're not going to have your way anymore. Yeah. Um, the last, you know, I think it's been like the last two years or three years, they've been pretty, uh, ba- you know, bad against the run statistically. Um, so, like, again, like I, like on paper, I get where this makes sense totally. Like, come in, just like you got one job, man. When they, when they run the ball at you, you stop the ball. Um, so I like that. Uh, you know, the, the, the run defense was obviously, um, you know, an issue. So it makes, it makes sense to me. Third pick in this draft for the Chiefs was in the third round. Uh, Clemson linebacker Dorian O'Daniel. As it turned out, funny moment. Uh, Kendall Fuller is his, you know, high school best friend. Kendall Fuller was actually at the draft party uh, with O'Daniel. I know there was a, a video circulating around the internet of our former friend, or I guess current friend and former uh, coworker of yours. Both of us, BJ Kissel, talked to them. They were on the same FaceTime because they're at the same draft party. So right away, Kendall Fuller has a friend, and the Chiefs got a pretty good special teamer in Dorian O'Daniel. Here's what we got on O'Daniel. Athletic linebackers like O'Daniel are earning high marks from NFL scouts because they need to cover the middle of the field in passing situations. ACC coaches recognize O'Daniel's talent in 2017, naming him second-team all-conference after he led Clemson with 103 tackles, including 11.5 for loss and five sacks, as well as three pass breakups and 14 starts. The Clemson SB Nation site has called O'Daniel arguably the biggest defensive leader on Clemson. And so think about Clemson. Clemson's up there yeah. with the Alabamas of the world. Here was Veach on O'Daniel. Dorian O'Daniel, as I mentioned in the, um, uh, the post-presser, we have a vision for him. So we know that when we go into our sub stuff, um, he'll be able to come in there and be utilized as a coverage backer, can match up on some tight ends, play in the passing game, has range, has speed, and then all, all four phases of special teams. So they have a plan for O'Daniel, special situations with sub-packages, and he could build into a player uh, as, you know, I think Daniel Sorensen kind of did in, in a way, it worked his way into defensive lineup as he learned more and more. You know, I, see, I see himself being a better version of myself. Um, <laughs> I love that. Ultra versatile linebacker, guy who knows the pass game. Uh, he's been so consistent throughout his career. I'm um, going to be a make make an impact immediately on special teams, and that's the one thing we can't lose. Factors um, these safeties and and uh, the coverage linebackers they get. Um, you know the, the special teams coach is sitting there with his hands, and he's 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 just that's another bullet for him to um, increase his coverage teams. Obviously, uh, with the NFL doing away with some of the coverage units, that's that's a, some a different story. But uh, Dorian O'Daniel is a he's a great cover linebacker. He's going to be a tight end fits. He'll be able to fit the running game on passing um, downs and. Um, I see him being a big, big impact to our, our defense this year. So is he a guy that comes in uh, on passing downs and he's basically covering the middle of the field? He's like DJ used to be, except DJ play every down. But, uh, you know, DJ was pretty good in coverage back there. Is that basically what we're looking at here? Well, I think if you look at, you know, we look at the linebackers we have right now with Raglan and Hitchens, if, if there is some – uh, liability to the both of their games is probably the pass defense. Like they, they both excel in the running game. They excel at fitting uh, the running gaps and and, and 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 tackles for loss and and that kind of um, you know those type of skills. But on the passing game, there are going to be liabilities when they go against the uh, Zach Ertz of the league and the um, uh, Hunter Henrys and stuff like that. So um, to me, this guy right here is the anti Hunter Henry. He's the guy that's going to shut Hunter Henry down. And sometimes I think you have to really you have to draft to stop other teams in your division their strengths. I tell Chiefs fans to keep this in mind all the time as well. There is a little bit of hope to this move because this guy's going to be right. a four phase yeah. special teams 
player. And those are so valuable. When you can play four phases in special teams and potentially develop into really a defensive playmaker, that's what you want. And, and, and Tobe does have a little bit of, of sway, I think, when it comes to roster moves. Yeah, and that's, yeah, exactly. And that, that gives you an extra roster spot now. You can carry a fourth back or, you know, the sixth receiver or whatever um, pretty easily because that's basically what he buys you right there. So there you have it. We went through the first three Chiefs draft picks. When we come back, we'll go through the next three, and we'll finish up by reading your tweets. This is the Airhead Pride Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You the man. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Oh, Kevin, thank you so much. We love you. <laughs> that's right. You the champ. The drink run champ. Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the drink run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's one two three dollars menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hi, I'm Mark from Marina Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill-up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marina Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast, the post-draft version of the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber and Joel Thorman, and we're reviewing these draft picks by the Chiefs. Chiefs selecting six players in the NFL draft. They went in with eight picks and ended up with uh, six players out of this draft. The next player was the first day three player they acquired, and it was safety Armani Watts from Texas a&M. He was called by SB Nation with one of the clutchest players in, in college football. Uh, here was the write-up on uh, Armani Watts. Watts is a four-year starter for the Aggies, living up to the four-star recruiting status that accompanied him to A&M. He had nine interceptions as a high school senior to earn a first-team Class 4A All-State notice in Forney, Texas. He led the team with three interceptions as a true freshman free safety in 2014, recording 59 tackles, two for loss, and nine pass breakups. Watts put up 126 tackles in 13 starts in his second year on the team, six of them going for losses. They intercepted one pass while breaking up two others. Had a leg injury junior year, still made 56 tackles, six for loss, two interceptions, and two forced fumbles and nine starts. And he earned third-team Associated Press All-American and second-team All-SEC honors in 2017. Don't forget, SEC is the closest you can really get to the National Football League as far as college football goes. Uh, and here was what Veach thinks about Watts developing into eventually uh, a starting safety. So Armani is a guy that had um, really, really good game tape. I mean, he, he was a guy that that we liked. I mean, he's a physical player. You, know, you get into the strong safety, free safety stuff, but we do so much high-low stuff with our free safeties that they got to be interchangeable. We thought Armani was a player that, that can play um, in our scheme in regards to you know being interchangeable. He can he can play down low because he is physical, he is tough, loves to hit, but he also has um, very good instincts and ball skills, and he, he's very good at anticipating routes. I don't know if you guys saw the Arkansas game in uh, Texas Stadium this year where you know, he won the game, I think, right in, in overtime there just by anticipating um, a red zone throw there. So the guy has a uh, tremendous feel back there. So, uh, you know, we think over time that he can certainly develop into a starting safety. So that's what you want right there. Oh, definitely. It always comes when you're a general manager, you, like we said, just envision. Can you envision this guy being on your team? Where does he fit? Vision him out there on the field with Barry. Um, 
a very smart, bright guy, has the athletic ability to make all the plays on the back end, can get down in the box and be a uh, uh, a third linebacker on some of the um, – what we do with our linebackers and what we do with our safeties when they roll down and be a box filler. Uh, has his great instincts on on balls, not you know not only over the middle but deep balls. Uh, he was to me one of the uh, uh, he's going to be one of the quiet. I'm hoping this guy gets a chance to to play based off of his abilities and is not held behind Sorison or held behind Stevens or anybody else because he's a rookie. Let him go play. He'll make plays all over the field. He's been doing it his entire career. Yeah, is this going to be a position battle with uh, Sorensen? Oh, hundred percent. Basically, one of them's coming out of here, uh, more uh, or less. And it seemed like Watts has a legit shot. Like it seemed like people. I felt in this entire draft, it seemed when the Chiefs got Watts, they said that they couldn't a believe that he fell down to them, and b at least on Twitter, and you got to be careful with that stuff. But at least on Twitter, it was the most sort of exciting pick, I think, yeah. of, the, of the draft of the Chiefs. Turnovers, man. That's that's the name of the game right there, and that's what uh, he brings. I think that's like so important, especially you know Chiefs defensive back. Um, they lost some turnovers recently, so you know you know what's <laughs> funny. And and speaking of that, so the fourth round pick was from the Los Angeles Rams, the one that they got in exchange for Marcus Peters, and then Willie Davis trots up there. He's a scout that that wanted Armani Watts on the Chiefs. He goes up to the podium and he says, the strengths of this kid, instinct and ball hawk ability, the weaknesses, tackling. So I know it's a safety instead mm. of a cornerback, so it seems like a very similar player, at least you know, a lot a lot younger, a lot later of a pick, probably a lot more a lot less natural tools, but just funny. In- instincts don't really improve. I mean, if you, either you know how to play the ball or you don't. You're a high-point guy. You know how to take angles to interception. Uh, you know the right angles to, to take to – uh, to get the ball carry or the receiver, but tackling that's something that can improve. If if you make a commitment to be a better tackler, that's a that, that's 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 a day one thing a coach can can correct. You know, take out the legs, uh, aim a little bit higher, hit on the ride. I mean, th- you can practice those things and become a better tackler day one. But instincts in, instinctfully on that back end, if you got guys in the secondary in the secondary who just don't have ball hawk instincts, you can't create that. Give me, give me five picks a year, and I don't care about your tackling. Uh, that that'll that'll totally make up for for me right there. Yeah, I, I thought that was a big uh, you know, thing with Peters, where everyone would get on him about the tackling, but he was doing things like intercepting the football that no one else could do. If this kid has some of that, you know, you're happy to get him in the fourth round. No fifth rounder for the Chiefs this year, so we'll move on to the sixth round pick, and that was Tremont Smith from Central Arkansas. Here was the write up. On Jamon Smith from NFL.com, Smith was the Alabama 3A high school player of the year at quarterback, but also shined as a defensive back. UCA coaches lined him up on defense as a true freshman in all 12 games. They led the team with three interceptions while breaking up four passes. Smith started off 11 games in 2015, garnering first-team All-Southland Conference honors after recording 51 tackles, three for loss, tied for the team lead with five interceptions and broke up 12 passes. Eventually, the Associated Press recognized his talents after last season as well, naming him a third-team FCS All-American. Here was Brett Veach on what he thinks he has in Smith. Jermon Smith is a, a small school corner from Central Arkansas. Uh, I believe the kid was a quarterback coming out of high school and, and you know kind of got overlooked because he was a smaller kid that played uh, like a triple option type deal at, at, in high school at quarterback, and he goes to Central Arkansas and and, um, you know, they throw him at corner from day one. The guy had tremendous production, um, really has a, a nose for the football. 
Um, you know, now just elevating from the central Arkansas up to the, the next level will be an adjustment. But I mean, the guy ran four, three, he's got really good hips, change of direction, all the, um, the physical attributes that you look for in a corner, I think he possesses. Um, so we really like his skill set, and we think he has a chance to develop into a player. Of all the picks in this draft, this one to me was the most, all right, we kind of like his attributes, we're throwing a dart. Yeah, I think of all six. Yeah, I mean, you get in the sixth round, you just pick like a badass athlete, um, you know, dude who's quarterback and defensive back and, and, you know, a great Alabama player. Like, yeah, just go with the great athlete and take your 50-50 shot that he works out. That's fine with me. If they if they get production of a six round pick, like it's gravy, man. It's 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 all good. It's hard to. I mean, you look at some of the first rounders. You go back to, to previous drafts, and you look at the first round. Sometimes you laugh at how few players pan out. So to get a six rounder that's able to do anything, you know, you like. And, and this was clearly a dart. Yeah, I think it's good late in the draft to get um, small school guys. Because you don't have to worry about their heart. They got the chip too. Yeah, they got a little chip on their shoulder. He's coming from FCS school. Um, he's going to be a guy who's always been overlooked. Um, he comes out of a high school program as a quarterback. They ask him to change the DB day one. He beats out everybody else there to start as a, be a starting cornerback. So you know he wants to compete. He wants to be on the field. He wants to contribute in whatever way possible. And in the sixth round, you're gonna get a guy who's gonna be. You're gonna have to be a gunner. He's gonna have to be nasty. He's yep. gonna have to be able to be a ball hawk and um, get into that slot and do some things that uh, you know fill the box when necessary. He's not gonna be uh, you know. Denzel Ward is going to come from Ohio State. There's going to be some diva that you got to deal with to kind of work that out of him to get him to do what you want him to do. Um, he's going to have his own uh, footwork he wants to do. He's going to have his own way he wants to do things. And because you draft him first round, if you're the Browns, you're going to have to deal with that. This guy, he's going to be coachable. He's going to be a guy that gives you all he got every day at practice because he's going to try to earn his spot on that team. Later on in the sixth round, the Chiefs traded up with the New England Patriots. So a Patriots sixth-round pick. We remember how those sometimes turn out for the New England Patriots with Tom Brady. The Chiefs trading into the Patriots sixth-round pick. They select Khalil McKenzie. A lot of people had uh, the Tennessee product as a defensive tackle, a pretty productive defensive tackle. But the Chiefs had no interest in that. Khalil McKenzie worked out at his pro day as a guard. And according to Pat Sperduto, who's the scout that uh, looked at McKenzie, he looked better than some of the offensive linemen working out that day, all of them, uh, in fact. And here was Veach on what he thinks is going to be happening with this McKenzie project, which I, which I would estimate the Chiefs are trying to do over the next uh, year. You guys will have the chance to come out here and see these guys soon, OTAs. And I mean, this kid's going to look like a first-round pick now. I mean, he is, he is an impressive-looking uh, player. He's a draftable uh, talent um, just as a defensive lineman. And, um, you know, he would certainly be on an NFL roster this coming fall if he just played defensive line. But when you watched him at his pro day, and I know Pat Spiruto, um spoke about this after we drafted him, he had such a good workout at the pro day at guard. It looked natural to him. Obviously, he has a pedi- pedigree um, playing on the offensive side. Uh, I mean, the kid has uh, tremendous physical gifts. And, again, I don't know exactly how long this will take uh, because, you know, he hadn't played offensive line a long time. But as far as his size, his athletic ability, um, he has all the traits. And, again, if you didn't know that he was an offensive lineman and if you just kind of popped in all the pro days and looked at Khalil McKenzie and looked at all the guys that went in round one, round two, round three, and if you didn't have any background, you didn't watch any tape, you just looked at just the pro day works, the size of this guy and, and how he moves and how he adjusts, um, you would probably put him right at the top of your list. So that's kind of what we're dealing with here, a, a tremendously talented kid that may take some time, but we're, we're certainly excited to um, take on that project. 
A big asterisk and side note on this one is this is also Raiders GM Reggie McKenzie's son. How do you like? I am kind of curious how this actually works. You know, I mean, he's still he's still what twenty two. You still need your old man, so he's still going to be talking to his dad. It's going to be a little weird at the dinner table, isn't it? I think it's, I think it's one of those picks where man, this could this could end up being a great. Um, it could end up being one of the greatest moves in the last four or five years when it comes to draft. If you get a guy who actually has the size to be a guard and has the footwork and the tenacity of a defensive guy, and you can teach him anchor balance. Andy Heck is a great offensive line coach. He was a great lineman when he played. If you can teach him the, the anchor balance standpoint of it and the protection standpoint of it, you know, defense is all about penetration, owning your gap. Offensive line, you got to kind of work together. You know, it's, it's in unison. You got to step together. Um, you got to have each other's back. It's going to be a little bit different mentality on the offensive side of the ball, but if he can teach them that, like I've seen a lot of guys go from tight end to be great offensive tackles. I've seen some guys, you know, uh, uh, Peters, right? Um, they played for the Eagles. Jason Peters. Jason yeah, Peters. Yeah. Um, it, it, when he converted to that position, it was kind of one of those, uh, you know, mad scientist type things, and he ends up being a you know, 14-year all-pro type, you know, yeah, tackle. Hall of Fame caliber. Um, you just never know, you know, what, what, what it takes to really, um, you know, for these players, especially on the offensive line, to really just be one of those guys that uh, fits in and is a, is a staple for years to come. And Veach said it. He looks the part, too. If you go Google uh, Khalil McKenzie and look at the pictures, there's one where he's just got tree trunks for legs. Massive. I mean, it's just like it looks like it's Photoshopped. Like, yeah, it's, like, un- it's unbelievable. I'm really. like, do you, like – are you just like walking down the street? Like are people just like turning their heads going, what in the world is this? Like he, he definitely has the offensive lineman's legs on draft day. I had the opportunity to jump on a conference call. I asked him, describe your own body type. And he said that he's like, I got tree trunks for legs. Like he's well aware of his size. And I think the two points you got to look at uh, with Khalil is that Brett Beach sees this guy and, and he's looking at him as just the body, right? So they take him in the sixth round, but what he thinks is if they can teach him, as Sean was saying, this is a first-rounder next year, and then the Chiefs maybe don't have to spend a first-rounder on what could be a guard or a tackle or whatever he turns in, into being. Uh, and I think the second round, or I think the second point on this is the Chiefs have been able to convert yeah. Laurent Duvernay-Tardif. Uh, Zach Fulton never played center in college. Those guys got started a lot for the Chiefs, and, and especially with LDT, and I know it's not the same because he played offensive line in college, but in Canada, there's a full yard in between the offensive line and the defense. So that means this was a very, very different thing. And the Chiefs ended up you know, signing LDT to extension. He's one of the better right guards in the league. So if there's anyone that could do it or has proven that they could you know, make a conversion here, I think it's the Chiefs. So a good move by Brett Veach to me. Yeah, kudos to Andy Heck. You know, what he's been doing with the offensive line over the last few years, being able to take guys that aren't traditional offensive linemen and making them uh, be able to mold and, and work together as a unit. Um, I think obviously offensive line is one of our strengths because we didn't draft a typical offensive line in our draft this year. So obviously from a front office standpoint, you're looking at it as being one of the strengths of the team going into the draft. So um, like I said, he's definitely going to be a pick of the future. Um, I love what they're doing with him, especially in the late rounds. Um, one of those geo GM secrets that nobody wants to talk about. No one wants to draft in the seventh round. You actually always want to trade up, get rid of your seventh round picks, pick somebody in the sixth round because in the seventh round, you want to be on the phone talking to free agents, right. the undrafted guys you think might be, you want to get on the phone with them as fast as possible, put your name in the hat so they can be thinking about you because so many times if you're working out draft picks in the seventh round, by the time you get on the phone after that pick, that guy's already made a decide to go to Houston to go to the Washington or go to some other team and you've missed out. So trade up, get rid of that last pick, 
Um, start getting on the phone. Start hitting those undrafted guys. You never know when you're going to strike gold in that, in that un, undrafted. As someone who covers the draft, yes, I'm in favor of getting rid of the seventh round. You know what? Well. Get rid of the, the late Thursday. Saturday night. Get rid of the third day. <laughs> yeah, just let us hang out on the third day. Um, I'm uh, yeah. Uh, the McKenzie pick has the potential to be like one of my favorite picks out of this draft. Like I feel, you know, as good about him as I do. Like like, you know, Naughty or Speaks or, you know, some of those guys like producing. And that's because the Chiefs have done it before with those late linemen. We will see how it pans out. Those are your six draft picks for the Kansas City Chiefs. We went through each of them. And when we come back, we will read and talk about your tweets. Stay with us. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. It's the post-draft edition. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber and Joel Thorman. And it's that time of the podcast where we are going to read and answer and talk about your tweets, your tweets uh, that you sent in to either at Arrowhead Pride or at PG Sweeney. And we'll start with Thanos the Mad Titan at Many Faced God. Is Speaks really an outside linebacker like everyone says he is? Seems to be a prototypical 3-4 defensive end to me. And, and don't forget, D. Ford was was that when he came to the Chiefs originally. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what the Chiefs uh, say he's going to be. Um, we'll see what his body type actually looks like, um, you know, four or five months from now. Because I feel like, you know, pretty easily they can go 10, 15 pounds either way um, with what they want to do. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, going off what Big Red says, he's an outside pass rushing linebacker. I'm, I'm thinking uh, Sean. Sean Merriman, lights out. I'm thinking uh, big name. Yeah, I'm thinking Willie McGinnis, like 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 some kind of role like that where you don't know if it's a borderline hand. Hall of Famer. Yeah, I like that. I like <laughs> that. And, um, just it just I, I just think that he's a guy with such versatility that he can pretty much be implanted at uh, three technique, five technique off the edge. He can play a star package, a joker package. Yeah, he's got some size. He's, though. he's got enough enough versatility. He has hips. He got movement skills. Uh, watched. Uh, go through a two ring video of him just watching his footwork back and forth through through th- um, through, the, through the drills and then run the hoops picking up the ball. He has he has bend he has he has ankle flexion he has a lot of things that make him very unique for a man his size. And when you have opportunity to get a guy like that, um, I think it was one that was worth pick, uh, moving up in the draft again. Sean's out here scouting workout videos. I love it. I love <laughs> I, it. I bunched these questions together because I felt like this was a perfect segue and really the perfect question for Sean from Eric Williams at Red Cow. Do you think Speaks is a sign that the Chiefs will be changing to an Eagles-style rotating defensive line oh, this year? Geez. Do I think so? I think I think, I think think a lot of teams are going to go to that style. I think that it's just a, uh, it's a copycat league. The, the Eagles' defense was very successful. And to be honest, like the, the Eagles didn't have dominant linebacker play. They didn't have dominant secondary play. They had two really good safeties that could protect the corners. And then they had eight guys up front who they could keep rotating in every series to make sure they were fresh. By the second and third quarter going against that same offensive line, it started to weigh towards the defense. And by the time the fourth quarter came, it weighed heavily toward the defense being the dominant factor. And so when you're trying to make plays to close out the half, to close out the fourth quarter, you want a fresh guy out there who's played 20, 25 snaps against that offensive lineman who's played 50 snaps. 
advantage defense. And if you got eight guys that you can swap in and out throughout the game, think about the overall health even throughout the 16-game season. Finishing in December and January going into the Super Bowl and going to the playoffs, when you have guys that are fresh, uh, it's less likely injury bug gets less. Um, dependability on guys being able to step up into different roles. It all, it all, everything is trending toward guys going eight deep on the defensive line. And that helped last year with the Eagles. I mean, they were pretty healthy aside from quarterback, and they kind of got a little bit lucky. Yeah, and, it, and, and when it was time for in that game that they needed to play, right? Tom Brady had the ball back. Everybody thought that that was going to be it. Eagles lose. The defense, Brandon Graham steps up, yep. strip fumble. That was the ball game. Corey Thompson at Corey T. Let's talk cornerbacks. Fuller, outside or inside or both. Uh, is Amerson a lock for cornerback two, or could a surprise challenger take it? Say Nelson or Smith or wildcard take Lampton. Just as many questions at safety two. Barry healthy. Watts seems like starter material, but what about Murray, McQuay, and Golden? So let's just go uh, generally. What do we think about the cornerback situation? For me personally, I feel like it'll be – Fuller and Nelson as your one and two with Amerson kind of coming in there, and then we'll see how these rookies look. Yeah, I mean, that's a safe play. Um, I think it's going to be something in flux. I think you just, um, during training camp, you mix it up. You let Fuller go left, let him go right. You let him go in the middle. You do the same thing with Amerson. You, you let guys play multiple positions throughout the preseason, find out who's playing the best at what positions, and then start to kind of uh, dwindle down from there. Um, the rookie guys, I mean, they're going to have so much on their plate as a rookie, just getting off of a college campus, Hey, hey, rookie, introduction to the pros. Now you got to pay for your own bills. I mean, all these kind of things that they never had to worry about. And to think a guy can come in and be a starting corner and, and, and put in the film study and learn his opponent. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I would leave that up to the veterans to start the year off. And then as a rookie starts to get a little bit more comfortable around week four, maybe week six, if a guy is showing you that, that capability to be able to handle all the pressures and handle all the responsibilities, and obviously he's a better talent than – uh, Emerson or a better talent than Nelson, then you got to start putting in some guys that based off of talent level start to give you the best opportunity to win. I'm, I'm with, uh, with Pete here that it's going to be Fuller, Emerson, Nelson to start with. Um, I do think Emerson or Nelson, uh, depending on how the young guys play, like maybe one of the young guys can step up over them, but those are going to be your top three uh, going in. I would predict that in your base, you have Fuller taking over the left side and Nelson on the right. And then, you know, another nickel and dime packages, Nelson slides in. That's what I would think. But I mean, that is a complete guess because Fuller's the only one that like I will I sit here today and put money on that he's gonna be a starter on the field. Like Amerson probably. Other than that, like I don't know. So I don't think Emerson starts right now. Well, see, yeah. I think you gotta let Emerson and Nelson I think you gotta play them both sides and figure out what side they play best because I think Fuller has the capability of filling in anywhere and being dominant. Yeah. He'll be the best nickel or left or right we have. It'd be interesting to see if the Chiefs, and this isn't like Sutton, but will go fuller on the best. Like the follow best somebody. Receiver. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's just like they do. They shake it up. They stayed at their own sides because that was a Sutton thing and not because it was like Peter's. It was a scheme thing, yeah. apparently. But we'll see. We'll see. It all, it all could change. It all could change. Uh, this one from, I know you, you like this. Cardi Veach seems like a regular contributor now on the Arrowhead yeah. Pride podcast. Uh, what philosophical shift do we see between John Dorsey and Brett Veach with regards to draft preferences and tendencies? It's tough to figure that out after one year. Veach does seem like more um, decisive, I guess. Um, you know, but after one draft, it's hard to like figure out uh, 
you know, some of the tendencies like Dorsey, you know, hit on most of his top picks, which is really what matters. Um, so next time Beach gets a first round pick, uh, you know, hopefully he'll be able to he'll be able to hit on that. I think one of the things we realized from from uh, watching Dorsey is and it was it was a, I wouldn't say a mastermind, but it's probably something that got underlooked on day two when the Browns had the first and third pick. Uh, they had already, you know, they've already selected themselves a great uh, cornerback and a great uh, quarterback. And everybody thought they was going to take Chubb with that first opening pick. Well, when you realize that the pick between you two picks are the Giants, and they already had Saquon Barkley, it was no need to pick your top running back because you knew that the Giants wasn't going to take. So instead, he picks a lineman, the one he really likes, and then he can come back and get Chubb two picks later, knowing that the Giants, which they used that to get, uh, I think, a different offensive lineman, um, it's it just the, the nuances of, of, of working a draft room and stuff like that is probably the difference between being a, a seasoned vet like uh, Dorsey is as opposed to it, this being your first draft. And we say his first. He was in the room. He's been around it num- numerous years. But where he is the uh, the alpha in the room, um, he's making the phone call to the player to welcome him to the team. Um, this was his first go around, and I think he did an awesome job, tell the truth. Yeah, my evaluation is that Brett Veach – uh, values picks a little bit less than Dorsey does. I think the bottom line for Dorsey is if I have as many picks as I can, I trust my evaluations that we're going to hit on a few, whereas Veach says, no, I want Sammy Watkins because I'm a Sammy Watkins guy. No, I'm trading up for, for Speaks because I'm not taking a chance of losing my guy. And that was a little bit different. And, you know, whether you like it or not, I mean, I, I like Dorsey just as much as I like Veach. And I, I really did, I think, appreciate Veach a little bit more when, in the media aspect of it because I, I don't know how long this will last given, yeah. you know, the environment that we live in in Kansas City. But Veach seemed willing to really show you, okay, you know, the draft is over. I don't have to hide my cards anymore. Here's exactly what we were thinking. And, you know, maybe it wasn't a thing where Dorsey didn't want to do that. He just, like, couldn't speak. Uh, a, little, they, a little eloquently enough. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're coming up. You know, they're coming from different spots, like too. Like Dorsey was building the team. Veach got a pretty set roster, and he's trying to plug like you know specific roles. Like seasoning. Like yeah, like like it's yes. like it's different. Like Dorsey, the first few years, like he could pick whoever he wanted in the first couple of rounds. He could truly go best player available because they needed like eight Everybody. different. You know, they needed like and eight different needs. Don't forget about the magnificent seven who were all yeah. undrafted. Picks who got a lot of time, you know, on the field for the Chiefs. So, yeah, that's yeah, the difference. And then there's Kevin Hogan. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Never forget. Now, another interesting aspect is thing: if, if we if we if we had a shot of the Chiefs draft board, and you, you look at you know, take for granted it's probably offense and defensive guys. And the first fifty or so picks is probably twenty five offense, twenty five defense. And if you really want to focus on your defense, and you get down to it's only three of that twenty five on defense, and there's another thirteen picks left to go. And you're, you're, you're sitting at 54 and you're waiting. Are these three guys going to be available in these next 13 picks? And you're looking at what the other teams need and you say, no, I got to move up to uh, 46 to get one of these three guys. You got to go do it. And you do the same thing with Naughty. If he's a top 50 guy and he's, you know, top 25 on, on the guys you've targeted, don't care what Mel Kuyper and, and Todd McShay think on your board, these guys are our top 25 defenders that you have targeted and you start marking them off as people get selected. You got to move up and get those guys because you don't want to be stuck with a guy outside of that 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 nucleus of guys who you think can make an impact this season, next season, and in the future. That's that's probably like an underrated part of draft strategy is like knowing what the other teams are going to do Definitely. and like knowing when you can wait and when you have to go up and get stuff. Next question from Caleb McMurdy at Caleb B McMurdy. With this roster, are the Chiefs favorite to three peat 
as AFC West champions. Uh, aren't we always? <laughs> well, this is the arrow in, your, in your world. For <laughs> sure. Come on, man. Um, I guess I'd maybe I'd give the nod to maybe the Chargers. Everyone, and, everyone does every year. Las Vegas yesterday had the Super Bowl odds, uh, the Chiefs being last in the division as far as winning the Super Bowl. Which is, uh, I don't get the Broncos part of that. No, I don't either, but I, I mean, maybe it's that. You know, I also don't get the defense. Raiders part of that. I am not a Derek Carr or Raiders believer. Maybe it's just my longtime Raider hatred I, I think uh, that's, that's the, coming into play here, but like, I do not think they're going to be that good. I think that's the Gruden effect. I'm not ready to call the Chiefs favorites, but I do think the division is just as wide open as last year. Like, oh, yeah. Me not calling the Chiefs favorites doesn't mean I'm favoring anybody. I think any team could win the AFC West. Oh. And uh, Mahomes could come in and throw for four. 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns, and they win the division. Like, 19, yeah, 19 and 0. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea if that's if that's uh, possible or not, but neither do you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you look at it year after year, the AFC West is one of the most competitive. I mean, it always comes down to week 17, right? A one win, one loss, then you go from winning your division and being in the playoff at home to being the AFC. I mean, it's one of those divisions where, you know, like you're saying, where did, where did San Diego come from after the start they had, but on four or something like that, couldn't find a field goal kicker to make a to win a game. Yeah. And then they go on a streak at the end of the year to force us to win in the last week in order to, um, you know, to, to, to remain AFC West champions. Um, I think that's the way it's going to be every year. Next question from Tim at Timindus79. Which chief do you think is most likely to exceed expectations in parentheses, not necessarily yours, so I guess just general expectations, this season? Name one chief that will exceed expectations. One. Dang. I'll go. I'll, yeah. I'll I'll take this one first. I'll go with uh, whoever the number two back is. Um, last year, I thought Spencer we had, Ware. Yeah, Spencer Ware. Um, uh, you know, last year Kareem got uh, you know pretty pretty healthy amount of the touches. I think they're going to mix that up a little bit this year, and you know I think they're going to give uh, somebody behind Kareem a little bit more work, and so I think that person, uh, probably Spencer Ware at this point, um, is going to have a pretty good season. I mean, I, I'm, since I'm the only person in Kansas City that believes in the Rover, I'm going to go with TK. I'm, I'm going to say my, my Rover ends up. He's been replaced, man. Like I said, I'm the only person in the Kansas City area that believes in the Villanova Rover, so I'm, I'm going with that, that young man. But I probably could also say D4 because I think a lot of people are, are definitely, they, they, they hope and pray he's going to regain some of that rookie year form. But I think most people have kind of written off D4 as somebody who's um, – Beyond his prime is, you know, injury riddled and can't can't do it long term. So I'm gonna go with D Ford and Rover. I'll give you one offense and one defense. For me on offense, Chris Conley coming back from the injury. I thought he was having a pretty good season last year before he went down an injury. And with these other dudes, this guy should be wide open every play. And yeah. so I mean he'll have a lot of room. He'll have the worst defender on him. Interesting to see to me, for me to see how Conley does. And I also think Steve Nelson has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I think he was a little hurt last year. Remember, he missed half the season and then came back midway. I don't think he was ever right. And I think this is a golden opportunity now with Marcus Peters gone to become you know, one of these elite cornerbacks. Maybe not elite, but one of these really solid cornerbacks in the NFL. Can we bet lunch on Conley and Robinson, who ends up being the third wideout? I'll take that. You'll take that? I'm taking Robinson all day. I think I might take Robinson, too. I believe in that joke. The thing that I, I like about the Robinson thing is that it seems like Mahomes has a yeah. rapport with them. It's exactly the, what I thought. But the thing about Conley, there were a couple plays last year with Alex Smith where it was tight windows, hard catches, getting the feet down. 
And Conley's going to be like, he's also got that like Mr. Reliable thing going where Andy knows he can just throw him out there at, at, you know, he's, he's going to do exactly what he wants him to do. My two guys, Conley and Nelson, I mean, they're going to have chips in their shoulder too, because I mean, if you're Chris Conley, you're recovering from an injury and they go out and spend all that money on Sammy Watkins. You got to be like, listen, What's going on yeah. here? I got to work harder than this. I don't know, man. That's your thought. You that, that's what you think. That's the way he's thinking. Is it, it's not a contract here for Nelson. No, he's got one. I more. mean, how are you going to make your money if Sammy Watkins is on it's the field? Always, with your Chris it's always a contract year for Nelson. We like okay until he proves himself. <laughs> every year is one year for him. Um, but definitely, I, I just I mean, like, this, I was kindly not thinking that Robinson is he has untapped potential. Like he to me, he is like. He's in that Emmanuel Sanders type mode. Like, like I see this guy as being a guy that when he is released, especially because he's a third wide out, and you got to pay so much attention to Kelsey and Hunt and Hill, now Sammy Watkins, he might go unguarded a fourth of the snaps. Like, like just don't even guard him. Robinson had opportunities last year and he did nothing, though. Yeah. What? Yeah. He, what you mean nothing? you got to, again, throw the ball, release the ball, release the ball, and he makes plays. We have to be on the field for that to happen. I just don't know. It's just it's going to be going to be in the right spot. It's going to be a training camp battle because I mean, you think about the skill positions, including the running backs. They have they're deep at running back, obviously deep at wide receiver. There's Travis Kelsey that has to be on the field. They like Demetrius football on the field. Like that wide receiver, how often is he really going to even get on the field? That's right. Hidden. This is a secret weapon. Bam! Touchdown. Bam! And don't forget first the Anthony down. Thomas. Bam! First down. Run that. Wes Burns. He he had a discussion on the fifth wideout before <laughs> before Wes Burns takes over. At Wes Burns, uh, with the pick of Chubb and the news that Denver seems unlikely to pick up Shane Ray's fifth-year option, do you think there is a high likelihood he is a Chief in 2019? Don't forget Shane Ray has a Chiefs tattoo on his body. Uh, no, I don't think there is. Because um, the, the Chiefs are just in a weird, like, uh, pass rush situation right now where, like, next year you could tell me that, like, three out of these four pass rushers are gone and I'd, and I'd believe it. Or you could tell me three out of four are still here uh, and I believe it. So um, I'd say no, uh, since they've spent second round picks the last two years on pass rushers, I don't see them uh, throwing free agent money at somebody else. Yeah, I think I think the, the Chiefs are trying to build this team long term wise through the draft. Um, free agency is going to be one guy here one guy there um like i said when it comes to picking free agents to me the wide receiver position is the one you really want to go at when it comes to um picking free agents a, a proven guy already um, you know already kind of earned his position um a guy with a little bit of something to prove but go out spend some money on, the, on a quality wide receiver when you need it but as far as defensively we we basically spent the whole 2018 draft for the for the next three years so you don't have to do that so you don't have to do right that, so. i agree with you i agree with that uh, 29 forever at Sport Talk. Brian, which new pickup, drafted or undrafted, is your favorite? Sammy Watkins. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's going to be the breakout player of the year. Some, 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 some. He'll be. Besides Sammy, I do, I do like my six-round guard, uh, Khalil McKenzie. Like, I just, I do, I just think all the the Raiders thing. The, the Raider thing, but also those tree trunks and just like they've done the late guard thing before, and, and I want to. I want to say that my prediction was right, that the guy that they got works out. So, And also my dark horse is uh, Darian O'Daniel because he's uh, O'Daniel because he's a better version of myself. That's a good pick. I, I happen to like Watts. Uh, he's got a lot of buzz around him. I'm interested in seeing if he really does have those Peter's instincts. Like uh, Sean, I, I also like uh, Sammy Watkins because I, too, think he's a better version of uh, myself. <laughs> Peter King said this morning, this is just another side note, that until he proves otherwise, Watkins is vastly overpaid. 
I'd say true. Uh, cause if you like on paper, you look at his production, uh, versus what he's getting paid, like it's out of whack, but the chiefs are paying on what they like think he can do. I can say, not the, same, what he has I can say the same thing about Peter King. <laughs> we can all, wow. we all got opinions right i mean someone someone's got to at peter king right now uh last question or i guess comment from to uh, uh at pan reach tribute to therese paler paler moving on from the chief's beat to uh what will be yahoo sports uh really you know great beat writer in the city for a long time yeah therese uh did awesome job um we linked to a lot of his articles despite him being you know like like he's, he's like super talented and all that but like dude just like worked so hard you know, um, and even if you didn't, even if he didn't have uh, all that talent that he has, I feel like we'd be getting uh, the best out of him. So, general manager, coaches, players, fans, everybody can appreciate people that work hard. That's the one thing you can, you know, you, you want to find a way to beat time. You work it to death always. That's the only way to beat father time. You just work it to death. So, you know, he he probably would kill me for saying this. I think say it anyway because, but on. I noticed when I got back into the building at the, for a press conference recently, and I looked over at his computer, and I couldn't read it exactly, but the background of Therese Paler's computer says something like, hard work always beats procrastination. So this guy is not only working hard, he's constantly reminding himself to do so. And it finally paid off for him. Not only is he a great writer, uh, well-respected, uh, as Sean said, um, but I think it, it's only... Um, the, the, the tip of the iceberg for, you know, what he could become. I think this is somebody you could be talking about 10 years from now. That's one of the most respected, uh, names as far as national reporters across, across the way. And it's a kudos to, again, how hard he works. Kudos. And that's it. That's all the uh, questions on the Hourhead Pride podcast. We went through all the draft picks. We answered your tweets. Uh, Sean, you got anything for the people? Oh, definitely. A healthy mindset includes self-exploration, supporter, supportive relationships, and post-career game planning, and work-life balance. To have a healthy mindset, you got to try to use the time and words effectively as neither can be retrieved. Pay attention. Understand your passion and your potential. Problems versus solutions. And last but not least, opportunity seldom knocks twice, so you better be ready to answer. Hashtag barbershop. You can get that inspiration on Twitter at SeanBarber59. Some football takes mixed in. Yeah, uh, my uh, t- my uh, ending take here would be that if uh, Derek Naughty is good, we're going to make a T-shirt that says Naughty by Nature. Oh, I like it. With the big baseball. <laughs> Giving away our million ideas on the air for free. Look out for that this fall. Uh, I got nothing today. I'm PG Sweeney. You can get him at Arrowhead Pride. Both of us at Arrowhead Pride. Keep it locked in. ArrowheadPride.com for all your Chiefs news. Uh, for these two guys, I'm Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.